Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Hakun Wong, and with me today is my co-host, the godfather of Football Garbage Time and former editor-in-chief of Football Culture Points. It's Scott King. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing pretty good. Exciting day in uh, football for March. I know. I know. I know. And, and it's, a, it's kind of funny because we had planned to do all this other content, and we had to shift on the fly <laughs> because... More happened today with regards to the NFL than probably, in excluding the Combine, the last, like, three weeks. I mean, it's just like, it was a lot of news, um, right, all in the last 24-hour period. So there's a lot of stuff to talk about, and I'm excited. This is exciting stuff, and I'm, now I'm really excited about this next season, but we got so long to wait for that, and we got that draft, that pesky draft in between the two. So, you know, let's just get at it. And we got to talk about Rodgers, we're going to talk about Russell Wilson, we're going to talk about Calvin Ridley, we'll talk about our NFL Combine standouts those who just kind of stood out to us and improved their draft stock, and we'll talk about franchise tags. Oh my gosh, there's so much content. Let's just get rolling. All right, let's start with Aaron Rodgers, because that actually started a domino of effect uh, that that, uh, we're going to talk about in a second, but Aaron Rodgers obviously is now returning to the Packers after agreeing to a four-year, $200 million contract extension um, and uh, it's a deal that will make him the NFL's highest paid player based on average annual salary. Um, it is an enormous amount that includes $153 million guaranteed. And, of course, this will make Rodgers, as I said, the highest paid. He will surpass the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, who earns $45 million on his current deal. Oh, my gosh. That is so much money. I can't even – I'm not sure if I can think that high. I'm not sure if I can comprehend the amount of dollars we're talking about here, Scott. But give me, give me your reaction to this. What, is this a good deal for the Packers? And what does this mean for the Packers going forward in your mind? Yeah, I think the, the numbers are astronomical. Um, what I'm waiting to see and what I heard initially was that this is cap-friendly, which just shows how much gymnastics they do with these salary caps that 200 million can actually be cap friendly. Um, But, you know, I think for Rogers to leave, it would have been, you know, a huge deal, right? It would have been Brady to the bucks or, or Manning to the Broncos, which Manning was a little bit different deal, but it would have been a huge deal for him to leave. Um, I think he's such a part of green Bay and what they were doing. So, I mean, it shows, for a change that the franchise is trying to be all in. They've, they've signed him and, and they've tagged Devonte Adams. So it looks like they're going to make a couple year run. Um, I hate it as a Lions fan in the NFC North. I was really hoping he was going to leave, but yeah. uh, you know, he's going to put in a couple more years and, and we'll see what happens. So, uh, you know, good for green Bay, bad for the rest of the NFC North. Yeah, and it obviously uh, tells you how they feel about their backup options, in particular Jordan Love. So uh, interesting move there, four years, $200 million. Now, And you talked about cap space. Obviously, cap hit pretty significant uh, coming into the season for a number of teams. The Packers have been working in the offseason to free up a lot of cap space by, re, um, by resetting a lot of their contracts there. But if you look at the quarterbacks around the NFL, Matt Ryan has a cap hit of 48 
$1.6 million this year in 2022. Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, $45 million. Deshaun Watson, $40.4 million. Ryan Tannehill, $38.6 million. Aaron Rodgers actually was set to hit the cap for 46.7, but according to uh, those who know the deal, he's going, his cap hit is going to be uh, much lower than that. So uh, probably closer to what Ryan Tannehill's cap hit is around 38 to 40 million. Man, that is a big, big cap hit uh, in my opinion. Um, so my, you know, kudos to the Packers for pulling it off. Obviously they're in win now mode and they knew they couldn't keep Devontae Adams if Aaron Rodgers moved away. And we all knew that there was a possibility that Aaron Rodgers might go to Denver for various reasons, including their new coach, and now he won't, which means that leads us to our next piece of news, the record-breaking deal here between the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos. The Seahawks will receive two first-round picks, that's in 2022 and 2023, two second-round picks in 2022 and in 2023, and a fifth-round pick in 2022. They will also receive quarterback Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, and defensive lineman Shelby Harris. And what do the Broncos get in return? They get their answer at quarterback Russell Wilson, along with a fourth-round pick next season. Locke started 21 games for the Broncos in the last three years and theoretically can be uh, maybe the leading um, candidate to start for the Seattle Seahawks coming into the next season. Who knows? But either way, the deal, big, big deal here. Denver, a huge net of draft picks. Wilson, he has to waive his no-trade clause, uh, and he is going to do that. He's going to bring an end to a 10-year run with the Seahawks. As we all know, Wilson was a third-round pick, he became a day-one starter, led the franchise with the most successful era, including their first Super Bowl victory over the Broncos in 2013. And Seattle reached the postseason eight times under Wilson, only suffered a losing season in 2021 when, they, uh, when Wilson missed three games with a finger injury. Uh, now in Denver, Wilson becomes the answer to a team that started 11 different quarterbacks since Peyton Manning retired after the 2015 season, the Broncos have the NFL's second longest active playoff drought at six seasons, trailing only the sad New York Jets. Uh, and, uh, and now they might have their answer, along with a collection of promising young talent like Javante Williams, Cortland Sutton, and Jerry Judy. So, let me, so, Scott, grade the trade here on both sides and tell us what are your thoughts with regard to what the Seattle Seahawks got and what the Denver Broncos got and what does it mean for them in this upcoming season? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, being a Lions fan, just watch the Stafford for Jared Goff and a bunch of picks uh, trade happen last year. And obviously the Rams went on and won the Super Bowl. And it's easy to say, well, the Rams won the trade, which, I mean, they won the Super Bowl, so that's that's easy to say. But the franchises (laughs) were in totally totally different places. The Lions needed the picks. They weren't going anywhere. And I think this is the same situation uh, here, right? So Denver's a team that is – loaded in a lot of positions, um, you know, running back, they've got wide receivers, they've got defense, Mm -hmm. they just didn't have a quarterback. And that's a team that can win now. And Seattle, they're a bad football team. I mean, Russell Wilson's a good name, and they had, you know, uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett at Fantasy last year. You were disappointed. But Mm -hmm. I think both teams won this. I mean, I'd give both teams an A right now. We don't know what the future of these picks holds. But Seattle's going nowhere. They need picks. They need players. Noah Fant is an outstanding tight end. And oh, absolutely. Kind of disappointing who's going to separate himself from the possibility of working with Wilson. But oh, they agree. You know, when two teams are heading in different directions, you've got to get draft picks. You've got to build from 
you know, you've got to get capital until you get to the point where you're in a win now scenario and Denver needs to win now and Seattle needs to completely rebuild. So I think both fan bases can be happy with where they are now. And uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how uh, Seattle handles it. Now, if they blow the picks, then obviously that's, it's going to be really bad for them. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about that. I mean, clearly this is a TBD situation because Denver got a King's ransom in picks. I mean, literally they are going to be for two years. They're going to have an excellent opportunity here for Seattle here to really, really rebuild based off the picks they got from Denver here, Denver, the cupboard will be bare (laughs) for the next two seasons. They are not going to have a lot. So it's really going to, this is going to be an all in, this is an all in here on Russell Wilson, but he's only 33, you know, I mean, he's not, he's not old. He has plenty of years left for him to play and it's a big get for them. You know, I think that it really does mean that they are ready to make a run at it and they are committed over the next several years to do so. And we all thought that Jerry Judy had talent. We all thought, thought that Cortland Sutton had talent. We all thought that Javante Williams had talent. Unfortunately, I, I agree with you. I also thought that Noah Fant had amazing talent there, and I would have loved to see him play with Russell Wilson uh, I, until I saw that he was part of the trade. And I said, wow, gee, that's, that's really a big asset. That's the only asset there I do not agree with giving up. You know, I'd rather give up another pick than give up Noah Fant at this point. But that being said, I, it's clear that uh, the Seattle Seahawks want to build on something, I suppose. So there, there you go with that. I, I like the trade as well. I think it's a big, it's a good to win. And, and, you know, you look back with what you were talking about, Detroit Lions and the Los Angeles Rams. You know, I, I agree. Both teams won that trade because you need to be, if you're going to rebuild, you know, you rebuild. And I, the one major difference, I think, is that Matt Stafford really wasn't given a real opportunity to win in Detroit. I think Seattle gave it a half-hearted effort. And they then they just started sliding. And I don't know if it was just bad drafting or just no commitment to Russell Wilson. He was unhappy for like three off seasons in a row, and they did nothing to really help him with that. They were putting his career at risk by not giving him protection on the offensive line. So I I really think this is a great great trade. Uh, very interesting to see what the Broncos will do uh, coming up. You know, it, it's the thing that hurts me about all this stuff is that. Like you said earlier, you know, Roger stays in Green Bay, which stinks for us in the NFC North. I'm being a being a Bears fan. And of course, um, I was kind of hoping maybe Russell Wilson <laughs> maybe he decided to come and become a bear or something, you know, who knows? But that that that's obviously exactly. done. We're yeah. gonna be in Denver. Uh all right. So that's that is it with regard to the big, big news, but there is other news to talk about here. So let's go ahead and uh, hit the boxing bell on that one and move on to our next topic, and that is Calvin Ridley, because this is real, this one's a little interesting to me, and I know you have some real significant thoughts on this one, uh, Scott, so can't wait to hear them because I know you're going to sound off. But the NFL determined that in late November 2021, while Calvin Ridley was away from the Atlanta Falcons on a non, an non-football injury, which everyone is aware of, Ridley placed a multi-leg parlay bet, or several multi-leg parlay bets, including three, five, and eight games, that included the Falcons to win for a total of $1,500. The investigation determined that there was no involvement of any team players or coaches and that the bets were placed via mobile device out of state, apparently on FanDuel, though I'm not 100% sure about that. Uh, Commissioner Goodell wrote to the public and then wrote to Ridley specifically and to the Falcons and indicated that he thought that this impacted the reputation of the league and the integrity of the game. And that, for, and this is a quote from his letter, for decades, gambling on NFL games 
has been considered among the most significant violations of league policy, warranting the most substantial sanction. In your case, I acknowledge and commend you for promptly reporting for an interview and admitting your actions. And he notes that Ridley may petition for reinstatement on or after February 15th, 2023, meaning that he gets a one-year suspension, one-year suspension for this, for the betting on essentially the Falcons. So give me your thoughts here on this, uh, Scott. I mean, I know that you feel pretty strongly about this, but Calvin Ridley placing the multi-like parlays, $1,500 total bet, risked and lost $10 million. Bad bet. Bad bet there for Ridley. What do you think? Yeah, and, and I, I'll say at, at the beginning that, you know, look, this is this is a rule. He broke the rule. I get that. But I have a humongous problem with the NFL signing deals with FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, all of these sports books now that online sports gambling is becoming, you know, more widespread across the country, running ads consistently across the games, pushing gambling at every turn and cashing in to the tune of probably hundreds of millions of dollars in extra revenue. And then you've got a player who's not even playing, runs a couple of, you know, parlays on a FanDuel app probably when he's at home (laughs) at Thanksgiving. And you're going to suspend the guy for a year when – You've got players, the violence issues that might get a couple of games. You've got PED use that will get you a couple games. And this guy's using a NFL-sanctioned exclusive partner app and bets a couple games. And from what I understand, FanDuel may have been the one that reported him or whoever the, the service was. The NFL, I read, made a deal or, or asked that these – these companies like monitor players, it's all really, really hypocritical to me that Mm -hmm. the NFL will take every nickel they can get from these sites and from the fans. And yet here's a guy who, you know, okay, he broke a rule, made a couple of bets, but they're going to hang him out there for a year. Just, I have a huge problem with it. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that gets me on this, is the fact that he was, you know, not with the team. You know, it's not like he could have influenced the, mm-hmm. the, the results of this game in any way other than what, as much as you and I can influence the game, right? You know, maybe he could be cheering from his TV and his couch, but he's not on the field doing anything. So that's the thing that kind of gets me for that. And, and you mentioned this, the suspensions, major NFL suspensions. So just as a reminder, you know, Ray Rice, he got a two-game suspension for beating his fiance. Adrian Peterson got a six-game suspension for felony child abuse. Greg Hardy... Um, got a 10-game suspension reduced to four for beating his girlfriend, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Got six-game suspension for hitting women generally. Calvin Ridley, 17 games for using FanDuel. Josh Gordon, uh, by the way, seven, six seasons for smoking weed. So clearly um, some dispro- uh, disproportionate mm-hmm. punishment there, perhaps being held down by the suspensions. Let me give you one. I got to say this because I, I read this and I saw this recently. Greg Hardy, obviously went to the UFC after he left the NFL, you know, had a promising career, did this. It was a complete bonehead idiot. He totally deserved um, being suspended and not getting another opportunity in the NFL um, for what he did. He went to the UFC and he failed miserably. I don't know if you saw this was last weekend. He had his last fight on his contract and got absolutely demolished by TKO in the first round. Uh, Did you see any of that? It was just like embarrassingly bad. It was embarrassing. No, I, I missed that. 
Well, you probably if you do the search on um, Twitter, I'm sure you can find some. Uh, it's a very short fight, <laughs> so you know if you if you thought that Greg Hardy deserved it, well, if you can go ahead and check that out, it's kind of fun. The one thing I really regret though is that before the Super Bowl in New York, they Greg Hardy was signing autographs, uh, and I actually waited in line for two hours to get his autograph because I thought he was a great oh, player. No. I, was, I thought he was fantastic, and of course it was right after that this came out, and I'm like, gosh darn it. Uh, of course, you know, now, now I got to pitch this because you know, I can't, what an idiot. Uh, and so I'm not, I'm not saying this simply because I was angry because I waited out in the cold for two and a half hours for his autograph, but he is also not a great person. So that too. Anyway, uh, that being said, I think the one, like I said, the one thing that gets me is that he was away from the team. It, I understand that he broke a rule and he should get a suspension for that. Um, but 17 games seems excessive, uh, particularly because he had no way of impacting what was happening on the field. And, you know, I understand if he was on the field playing and he had bet on the Falcons, that's a totally different story. But he's already away. He has no contact, non-contact injury. He has he's, he's the mental health break. Um, he's on his own, on his own mobile device, placing a bet on FanDuel. I mean, Really? 17 games? I, I suspect this is going to get reduced. What do you think? I'm, I'm a feeling that this is going to get reduced. It, it might be. I think the, uh, the uh, you know, the questions that have come up, I, I will say one thing, though. This this falls under the, uh, what is it, like the, the stupid test? It's like we all have phones <laughs> now. He didn't have a buddy who's like, hey, man, here's 1500 bucks. Throw these bets <laughs> down for me. Like, yeah, come yeah. on. We're not, we're not dealing at a time when you have to, like, physically go to the casino or go to the bookie at the back of some <laughs> restaurant, right? You just download right. an app and you go. I mean, I'll, I'll follow around NFL players and play, place bets for them for 10% all day long. <laughs> right. Hey, I, I'll take an autograph. I don't even need a 10%. I don't even there you know. Go. Or a shout-out on Twitter. That's that's all I really need. I'll place a yeah. bet for Calvin Ridley. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Poor judgment all the way around, for sure. All right. Well, Calvin Ridley, we'll see what happens with that. Obviously, there's a possibility that we'll get reduced, and there is a possibility that there will be some other changes along the way uh, on how that resolves. Let's hit the boxing bell on that. And let's talk about our next topic, which is the NFL Combine, which has happened last week. It just seems like it's flying by, isn't it? I just The NFL Combine kind of – and we were all looking forward to it. We were all talking about it, and it kind of snuck up on me, and I said, wow, here it is. We're already there. Um, so I'll say this. The NFL Combine is really interesting to me, and I know it's very interesting to you, but I don't, in my opinion, and I want, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Scott, but in my opinion, the NFL Combine does not change my thinking on a particular draft prospect. It either confirms it or it's a data point, right? It doesn't, it doesn't change my thinking. I, I don't go looking at the Combine and looking at a player that I never thought was good based on hours and hours of tape and say, oh, he ran the 40-yard dash, you know, really, really fast. Uh, I'm changing my opinion of him. That, that's never happened. You know, I, I'm not going to – I'm going to take four years or three years or two years of tape over 15 seconds of running any day of the week. But it can confirm what I believe them to be, and it does add on to folks that I'm already excited on uh, based on their tape. So I, that's the way I see the NFL Combine um, with regard to how it impacts players. But there are a number of standouts during this season's combine. And um, this was the fastest combine basically ever. <laughs> it started the 40 yard dash. It, in terms of combine records since 2003, the average was 4.71 seconds on the 40 yard dash. That's its fastest ever. 
31 players of a sub 4.4. That's the most ever. We also had the fastest running back, wide receiver, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, and DB groups ever in the combine. It was like, ho-hum, you didn't beat 4-4. It's not worth even watching. <laughs> you know? Unbelievable. But with that said, uh, Scott, what is your uh, view on the NFL combine? And then let's start rolling into some standouts. Yeah, I think I, I don't think it can really help someone a lot. I, there might be a, a point where it's like, wow, that guy's fast. Let me go back and look at his tape. But right. I do think it can hurt them uh, if they show up, you know, out of shape, if they perform poorly, yep. or if they fail the drug test, which again is the idiot well, test, right? You know, it's particularly gonna, it's bad. Gonna <laughs> and and my what I'll call standout actually is is a negative, and it's. It's K. Ron Thibodeau. You know, he was talked as, you know, a top, you know, one, two, three draft pick. He was on Detroit's um, board, and, and there's a lot of rumors about him. But it was kind of a weird situation. I, I had to go and, and read more about it after it happened. But he showed up. He did a couple of the drills. And then he started complaining that the day was too long and he didn't want to hang around. And he just left. Right. And so – I think yeah. that's an example Character. of like, yeah, just don't go. Here's, you'd be way yeah. better off to say, I'm going to show up for interviews and I'm going to do my pro day than to show up, commit to doing the drills, and then just say, you know what, I don't want to hang around here all day. I'm just leaving, or fake a, you know, a, a I don't know, food poisoning. Do something smarter than just whine and leave. So I think. You know, as far as the standout goes, that's a negative for me, and I think it's going to drop him out of, you know, that top three discussion, and he might drop down more to the five on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, that entirely that is entirely possible, and, and that is an example of where the reaction of the um, – because I, I think the measurables, you know, they can impact you a little bit, but not that much. It's the, the character issues, you know, how you deal with those things. Uh, your reaction, how you how you hold yourself, carry yourself at the combine, you know, with at, you know after the combine, so on. That that I think can really impact your draft value significantly. But as a, kind of another example of things that didn't go so well at the combine, but not a character issue. So I'm not thinking it's going to hurt him. It's Kyle Hamilton, uh, safety from Notre Dame, who I watched a lot of at Notre Dame, admittedly. But you know, he had a quote unquote slow 40 yard dash because he had a 4.59 there, which um, is still pretty darn good top of the class fast but you know in a year where uh the 40 yard dash was like ridiculously fast and you know just looking back and and, and the, the the type of hype he's gotten as a top three draft prospect you know it just it did hurt him a little bit but it's not in my book going to hurt him you know i i don't look at that and say well four years of uh or three years worth of uh of uh tape out there and, and and work as a safety is going to somehow be outweighed by the fact that he had a, a quote-unquote slow 40-yard uh, dash. But it certainly didn't help. It certainly didn't help his draft prospects. A guy that I think really got helped in the in the uh, combine was Jordan Davis, the Georgia defensive tackle. I mean, unbelievable, this guy. Unbelievable. 6'6", 341 pounds, ran a 478, 40-yard dash. That is second among all defensive tackles. Uh, and he definitely stood out uh, having top marks on the vertical and the broad jump as well. I mean, it, it is definitely it's huge. Now, obviously, he's one of the top defensive prospects anyway, but he was really mostly known 
as more of a run stopper, right? I mean, he's a guy who's going to fill those uh, voids, make sure, you know, clog things up, stop the run. He wasn't really kind of a pass rusher. I, I think with this speed that he demonstrated at Combine, he may be a pass rusher now. I mean, they, they, I think there's defensive coordinators out there now looking at him and saying, you know what? At first, I thought he's a luxury piece. I'd, I'd use him on running downs. Uh, I, I would use him. I have a lot of great pass rushers already there, but I think they're looking at this now and saying, you know what? That that may get him up one notch where I think he can be an effective part of a tandem uh, pass rusher and be an effective run stopper as well. So I, I see things like that as kind of jumping out and really kind of tweaking the value of certain players. So I love Jordan Davis to begin with. I really, really like him now after what he's did. And anybody else that stood out to you? Yeah, just, just another note on Davis. I think you look at like an Aaron Donald and the speed that he brings from the inside and um, what he can do from that position. Um, I actually, I was looking, I, I did a mock think where I had the Lions grabbing Jordan Davis, but I'd love to see the Lions mm. package 32 and 34 and go grab him just as a, as a draft aside. Um, yeah. But yeah, the speed I think is really interesting. And you look at the wide receivers and I, I dropped his name. The wide receiver from Baylor had a, had a good, uh, I think he had the second fastest 40. But, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to see some of uh, these wide receivers transition well into the NFL with, with all the speed that we had. No, no doubt about that. Absolutely no doubt about that. And, I, you know, I think that there is um, there's a couple other folks here that really stood out to me. And I, I love those kind of smaller school prospects. I've always been a fan of them. ever since Adam and Neva has been part of this show back, uh, in, back in the day, probably about a year ago now. And he used to always be into the smaller school prospects and saying, you know, there are so much talent there that just doesn't get the, to- the, the time of day because they don't have enough tape, internet, like no national TV tape. They don't have the have exposure, but, but scouts should look there and they'll find such great ones, some great ones there. I think, and, and this is exactly in line with what you're talking about. Christian Watson, wide receiver out of North Dakota State, and Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. Man, they had some great combines, which I think are going to catch some attention here. Uh, Christian, uh, Christian Watson, 6'4", 208 pounds. He just, he just crushed the workout, posted a 4'3", 40-yard dash, 38.5-inch vertical jump, 11'4", broad jump, and they put him basically at the top of the top of the top. The combination of size and that explosiveness – I mean, I think he is going to move from his way up into the top two rounds, if not even earlier in the second round, just based on that. And I think that's a great prospect right there. Sky Moore, another one, just got a massive boost from his performance at the uh, at, at at the combine, a four four one forty yard dash, uh, and and lots of on field reps. His pass catching drills got great reviews. Uh, he has the largest hands in the class in the class, even though he's just five ten. And he is, he's just fast. So I, I love Sky Moore. He's actually been very vocal about wanting to get drafted by the Steelers. I can imagine that he'd be a, a immediate fan favorite if the Steelers went and got, got him. So another guy that I think has really did a lot to improve his draft stock there. Um, all right. Uh, so with that said, let's go ahead and hit the boxing bell on this and move on to our last topic of the day. And that's the franchise tag because, boy, oh, boy, we got a bunch of franchise tags that came in today by the deadline. And here they are. And unsurprisingly, Devontae Adams of the Green Bay Packers tagged at $18.4 million. Chris Godwin of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tagged at $18.4 million as well. David Njoku, Mike Gusecki, 
Dalton Schultz, three tight ends, Browns, Dolphins, Cowboys, all tagged at $10.9 million. And Orlando Brown, the Kansas City Chiefs offensive tackle, and Cam Robinson, Jacksonville Jaguars offensive tackle, both tagged at $16.6 million. And then Jesse Bates, the third safety from the Cincinnati Bengals, tagged at $12.9 million. So there are the tags. I don't think we're surprised by most of that. And, of course, Devonta Adams makes total sense once they finally got – Aaron Rodgers on board. So what are your thoughts about all those tags? Any of those jump out at you as good, bad, ugly, or otherwise? Yeah, I think the tags in general, and I don't know if you said Godwin, but the wide receivers, I I was uh, so excited to see maybe some of these guys sneak through for the Lions um, selfishly to grab a wide receiver. And they just got wiped out by the tags. I mean, Allen Robinson is still floating around out there. Um, yes, he is. But, I was yeah, I know, yep. yeah, hopefully he, he lands there with Detroit. But that was probably the biggest thing for me is just to watch the wide receivers just get picked off. And um, I know some of them are being tagged for the second time, which is the max now. And I get, you know, the benefit of the franchise tag, and it kind of helps the teams out. But, man, it's really putting these guys in a tough spot because if somebody goes out there, I mean, Godwin already finished the year hurt. And right. now they've tagged him again, so he's missed free agency again. And he's probably working right. on, I don't know what contract is, but a nothing deal. Um, so that that was really my takeaway, just disappointment for the wide receivers that just got completely <laughs> wiped out by the franchise tags. Well, the tight ends, too. I mean, like, I, I was surprised by yeah. David Joku. I was surprised by that a little bit. And, and Mike Becky had a, really had a great season. I mean, he's definitely coming on. But, you know, who knows what's going to happen there in Miami. I mean, there's obviously a regime change there. So I was surprised that Schultz uh, getting tagged. I mean, three tight ends getting tagged uh, at $10.9 million. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that was surprising to me um, in particular. But, yeah, obviously uh, bad news for those of you looking to land Devontae Adams, at least. He's obviously not going anywhere now that Aaron Rodgers is going back to the Packers. So there's a bunch of folks who didn't get tagged, who people thought might get tagged. Wide receiver Allen Robinson of the Bears being on the top of the list. Uh, there was offensive tackle Teron Armstead of the Saints, defensive end Emmanuel Ogba of the Dolphins, uh, two outside linebackers Harold Landry of the Titans, Chandler Jones of the Cardinals, uh, of course J.C. Jackson and Carlton Davis, two cornerbacks, one of the Patriots and the other with the Bucks, uh, Tyron Matthew and Marcus Willard, two safeties there, one of the Chiefs, one of the Saints. All those did not get tagged. Uh, a little bit surprisingly, I guess Alan Robinson. I didn't expect to get tagged, so I'm not as surprised about that. He still, he, he, I love him. I wish they didn't misuse him in Chicago. I think he's destined to go elsewhere. What are your thoughts on the remainder of those guys? Any of those should have been tagged, in your opinion? I'm assuming you're going to say Alan Robinson, no, because you're hoping he's going to land in Detroit. Yeah, for sure, Alan Robinson, no. I, I hope uh, he's my number one uh, target for Detroit this offseason. So I'll have to get Holmes on the, on the line and talk to him about it. You know, I think I think Tyron Matthews interesting. He said he wanted to test free agency, but is happy to head back to um, to um, a winning team, Kansas City. <laughs> the Chiefs, yeah. yeah, somebody that can win. Um, you know, OBJ floating around out there, but he knew they weren't going to waste it. So I, I think it's interesting to see. You know, maybe there's some some deals talked about in the background that says, hey, you know, it's. If you, get, if you don't find something there, give us last right to give you an offer. Um, but I, I think it's really going to be interesting to see how things go. You know, you look at this list of guys that are still out there. I mean, Gronk hasn't announced his retirement. 
he's yeah, officially sure. a free agent. You know, where does he land in in Buffalo? Or it's just it's it's exciting to have something exciting in football in March <laughs> to bridge the gap. <laughs> I agree. Get us I through agree. the season. And there are lots of um, free agents out there, and that we can be sure that we're going to see a lot more movement on free agency as we get closer to the draft, because a lot of these teams are going to start looking for draft capital and, and they're going to start thinking about, well, can I build this team through the draft and what I have on my roster or can I, or do I need to get some of these free agents to fill some of the gaps there? So exciting times folks, two more months, not quite two full months, but almost just about two months. And then we're going to get to that draft and then we'll see if it all shakes out. And that brings us to the end of the show. Let's see air horn on the show. Scott, oh, thanks for joining us again today. Uh, always great to have you on the show. Give us your social media so people can follow you. Yeah, uh, follow me on NFL Fantasy underscore more. Um, lots of football talk, doing some NBA parlays right now that I'm doing okay with. <laughs> some so. crazy parlays. <laughs> I, obviously, Calvin Ridley should have spoke to you first uh, before placing those bets. <laughs> uh, <laughs> judging from the 17 and 18-leg parlays you've been hitting, uh, clearly Calvin Ridley not doing his um, research. That's my takeaway on this. That's my takeaway on whatever he was thinking. Of so, yeah, good good, good stuff there. Everybody, follow, give Scott a follow. Uh, lots of great stuff there. And, obviously, he gets you some betting advice as well. And you can find me on Twitter at FB Garbage Time and on Facebook on the Football Garbage Time page. As usual, thank you for wasting time with us. And until next time, enjoy your NFL week. <laughs> <laughs>